This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you happen to be at this lovely uh, hour. Great day here in Southern California. Uh, though we are getting snow in the mountains, that's making me very happy. Uh, but gorgeous, gorgeous day here. Uh, welcome to Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff live call-in show. If you want to get a hold of us, very easy to do, 877-385-8882. Once again, that's 877-385-8882. Or better yet, you can join us live on Google Hangouts. Just go to the Pet Life Radio website and you can click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff and then scroll down and you will see a link for Google Hangouts. It would be great if you uh, want to uh, come on and join us and want to thank Brevecto and Save This Life Microchip and More Than a Cone for allowing us to be here with you today. Anyway, couple things uh, just to get started. Last week, we talked about some winter hazards for our pets. And there are two more I wanted to add to the list. And very interestingly, two came from listeners that they are 100% right. We probably should have mentioned it last week. So I'm going to mention it now. Number one, cats, outdoor cats also are affected by the cold. So what do they do? They typically look for warmth by jumping up under a car. You can go underneath and jumping up on the engine block of a car that was driven and is now still very warm, actually hot at the beginning. And it provides some a shelter from the cold being up there and some warmth. Well, we know that cats like to take their cat naps. And in this nice shielded, sheltered area, warm area, they fall asleep. Now what happens? Owner of the car walks outside, brushes off the ice from the windshield, jumps in the car, wants to start the car to get the heater going, right? And I'm sure any of you who know anything about cars, there's a fan belt in there and there's a fan. And many, many, many times we've all heard it happen. I've unfortunately a couple over the years seen it with animals that were brought in. The cats get literally just chopped up by the fan belt or the fan. So if you live in an area where you see a lot of outdoor cats, when you're approaching your car in the morning, give a good bang to the top of the hood just to wake up and frighten any cat that may be sitting on the the inside of the car and the inside of the engine and save a cat's life. Also, winter, because of the same freezing threat, this is a time that many people, well, pretty much everybody, uses antifreeze in the radiators. And antifreeze is ethylene glycol. And most of them, now many of the newer companies and lately have been putting bitters in their formulas because of the following it's generally pretty sweet tasting. And if it drips from the outside from the car and the puddle is sitting in your driveway and it's not nice over, cats and dogs will actually like to lick. Yeah, more dogs. Cats aren't as attracted by sweets, but dogs will. And ethylene glycol, very, very toxic to our pets. Can cause kidney shutdown, kidney failure. Very, very serious. So those two things, be very careful. If you notice your radiator is leaking, if you're using antifreeze, look for the type that has the bitters in it. Most of them now do, but there's still many big companies out there that don't. And uh, it is a big, big concern. In the news real quick, a two-year-old pit bull and a kitten in Newport Ritchie, Florida have been diagnosed with rabies. Obviously, both were put to sleep, but that tells you if you live in that area in Florida, Newport Ritchie, Florida, be very careful. Because we do see rabies 
and uh, make sure your pets are vaccinated. If you have cats that are outdoor, indoor cats, make sure they are vaccinated against rabies as well. In many states, it's mandatory for all cats. Here in California, interestingly, it is not. But I'm telling you as a practitioner here that if you have all my feline patients that are in and out, they get vaccinated for rabies and leukemia. My indoor-only cats, including my own, I do not. This is really cool. They found sort of images engraved in sandstone in northwestern Saudi Arabia that archaeologists believe to be about eight to 9,000 years old and depicts hunters walking with dogs, and the dogs seem to be tethered on leashes. And uh, so <laughs> it's not such a new phenomenon. It's only about thousands and thousands of years old. On a potentially good note, intervertebral disc disease happens in many dogs. We call it IVDD. It turns out that there is a specific gene, it's called the FGF4 gene, that 50 times more dogs that have been diagnosed with IVDD seem to have this gene. So the, the likelihood, if you have this gene, 50 times greater to end up developing intervertebral disc disease, which is great to know because now with all gene therapy and gene science and work that is being done, there might be a way to either minimize or certainly alleviate some of the pain and discomfort of IVDD if that gene can be identified and modified. So that's pretty cool. Oh, this is also a veterinarian was actually caught the avian influenza virus, probably from a cat. He was a shelter vet. The cat had it. Unfortunately, the cat passed away. It's called, it's the H7N2, H7N2 virus. They all have the H and the N, the influenza viruses. The veterinarian survived. Anyway, again, it just shows you that how likely that many of the diseases that we see in one species are going to mutate and affect other species as well. So uh, again, if you have birds, be really careful out there. The World Small Animal Veterinary Association recently had a meeting, and they had a couple of recommendations, which is very interesting. They talked about dentistry, and as we know, many of us now are very much against non-anesthesia dentistries, for good reason. Many studies now showing that though the teeth could look great, anyone doing it, a lot of them are actually formerly dental hygienists on the human side. They do a beautiful job cleaning the surface of the teeth. The problem is they cannot get under the gums. And studies have shown following animals for several years that have had just anesthesia-free dentals done by a groomer that the bone destruction is tremendous. And these teeth ultimately are being taken out, falling out, rotting. So yeah, you don't see it when you pick them up. You look at the, you lift up the lips and you say, oh my God, look how pretty, look how white. It's not good enough. So I guard against anyone. Interestingly, I used to have, I used to have a, a woman come into my office and she did a great job. But if you start with what a study was done, taking x-rays after these patients and following them for several years and comparing them to a group of dogs that were getting full anesthesia dentistries over the same period of time. And the bone destruction in the group that was not getting anesthesia was dramatic. So if anyone is even thinking of it, I would advise you not to. Now, what I do tell some of my clients that have done it is if you really want to do it, and maybe your dog is getting to the point where it could have a cleaning every six months, do like every other time. If you want to do the, to get the surface is okay, but at least once a year, and dogs that really have bad teeth more often should have full anesthesia, dentals where the teeth can be, there can be root, root planing, thorough cleaning, gingival work, uh, that means the gums, and really do a good job and try to uh, prevent the periodontal disease as well. Also, they had made some recommendations on the breeding practices, our breeding practices, especially when it comes to breeds that have certain traits 
that the traits themselves are causing problems. For example, brachycephalic dogs, Persian cats. I mean, we've created this monster. Someone was, we were talking about the other day, it was somebody about uh, how, like, I have Frenchies and uh, how many of the bulldogs, many like the Boston, some of these, the pugs, some of them need, especially with the Frenchies, need to have C-sections. And someone asked, well, what happened, like, before we were doing C-sections? What, did these dogs die? And I said, well, interestingly, probably not. We are breeding for a certain look, and that look incorporates the big head with the, you know, a little narrower shoulders and uh, a little more narrow waist, I should say, big shoulders and big head. Well, that's what we've created. So now we have created our own monster that is now forcing us to have to do C-sections on these dogs. And I did have a litter come in, eight pups. And um, if you follow me on Instagram at, at Dr. Jeff Werber, you will see a picture of me standing there with eight Frenchy puppies. One litter, all naturally born. And my hunch is the reason why they were able to be born is because there were eight of them and they were probably a little smaller. But oh my God, they are so adorable. Anyway, just got to keep that in mind. Another thing, another warning is there was a, a cease and desist in New Jersey by the state health department in New Jersey against a particular company called Utter Milk that was has been selling unpasteurized raw milk. And a woman now drinking this milk has come down with a antibiotic-resistant brucellosis. Very dangerous. So they are working with the CDC and the USDA, and they're trying to find out where the source of this milk. And in the meantime, they, they sent out a cease and desist because it's obviously very dangerous. The company sells raw goat milk, raw cow milk, and raw camel milk. Go figure. I don't know who would drink camel milk, but I, I guess it's a big thing. Goat milk, I know, is pretty popular. Certainly certain cheeses come from goat milk that are fantastic. But anyway, yeah, I would be very, very cautious about drinking raw, unpasteurized products. You know, I know that, uh, you know, these things, I mean, for, if you look at even raw eggs, my daughter has a cookie dough company called Edoble. And the reason why people in Nestle had to recall many of their products is because some of these companies putting out raw dough products are using eggs and eggs can contain salmonella and they're using regular flour, which can carry E. coli. So you, you need to look for the safety, do your homework, make sure these things are safe uh, before you just go ahead and feed them. So coming up is uh, Thanksgiving, and we wanted to uh, talk about some of the Thanksgiving dangers, and the American Veteran Medical Association actually came up with their report and just some warnings about safety tips for Thanksgiving, such as, as we know, fatty foods, and we're going to start here, and then we're going to go into our break, and we'll continue coming out. And also, we're talking about foods. I want to talk about um, we're going to do this after the break. I would love your input because I want to know how is it that pet shops are advising you, the consumer, the pet parent, the pet owner, right, that certain foods are the best foods. Now, if you follow, I mean, any medical doctor, any veterinarian and ask them, is there a best? You can ask 10 veterinarians what the best foods are and you'll get probably 15 different opinions. So how is it that these people with no training, no background, no education in this department, in this area of nutrition, no specialists, and they're advising you when you walk in the store, oh, no, this, this is the best food. And I've had clients come in and tell me, oh, no, the doc, look, I, I feed my dog the best food. It's the best. They told me that it's the best. Uh, we're going to talk about this. Anyway, so don't go away. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving dangers. We're going to talk about the best foods. Is there a best? So stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages here with Dr. Jeff at Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 
As a dog, I know a lot about fleas and ticks, so trust me when I say no other tasty chew protects dogs as long as Brevecto. One Brevecto chew keeps fleas and ticks away for up to 12 weeks. Be a good human and ask your vet about Brevecto. Brevecto may cause vomiting. Get the stinky dog away from me. Bad breath and bad gas. PD stopped eating. All his hair fell out. Itching, licking, missing fur. At least $5,000 in vet bill. Creams, antibiotics, sprays. No results. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite is nutrition. The shedding is stopped and the itching is stopped. Her coat is not soft, it's silky, it's healthy and shiny and glossy. She's got life, she's got energy. Tons of energy, no more bad smells. Dynavite's the bomb. Dynavite is the best thing that's ever happened to my dogs, you know, besides me, of course. (laughs) 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. Here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets Dr. Jeff. And before the break, we were talking about Thanksgiving coming up right around the corner, coming up this week. So, um, uh, some safety tips from the American Veterinary Medical Association. First of all, foods. Obviously, we need to avoid fatty foods, uh, some ham and dark meat, turkey and turkey skin. Very fatty can cause pancreatitis. Things with raw onions, raw garlic, very uh, potentially toxic can cause anemias and problems. Poultry bones. Soft bones, it's not that the bone itself is poisonous. What it is, is they are easily shredded and torn, and the sharp edges, as they're going down into the esophagus, along the intestinal tract, that can cause a problem too. And because of that, if your dog should swallow a poultry bone, chewed it up and swallowed it, do not make them vomit. Because obviously, it's once it's in the stomach and they're okay, what you don't want to do is run the risk of it coming back up and catching the esophagus on the way out. Uh, just try to avoid them in the first place. Holiday treats, chocolate we know about, raisins, grapes, xylitol. So can uh, treats that are artificially sweetened with a medication, a drug, it's a sweetener, an artificial sweetener called xylitol. We see it in a lot of sugar-free candy, sugar-free gum, sugar-free mints. Very, very toxic to dogs. Be very careful. Yeast dough. So if the dough is sitting there, not yet made into rolls or bread or whatever you're going to make, that yeast, if it's swallowed, can cause a lot of excessive gas and bloating. Not good. Of course, trash. You got to keep your pets away from the trash. Because trust me, if it's not good for you, so much so that you're throwing it out, it's not good for your dogs either. And we have seen many a dog, we call it garbage can enteritis. And that is vomiting and diarrhea and all sorts of problems because they got into the trash. Decorations, of course, be careful. Things with ribbons, string, candles, pine, pine cone needles. I mean, these are all things that cats and dogs will love to play with and can cause certain problems. Plants, decorative plants, things like some ferns and hydrangeas, lilies, sago palm, crocus, diefenbachia, oleander. These are all plants and flowers that are toxic to pets. Lilies, not just the flower, by the way. 
But if you put lilies in a vase and there's water at the bottom of the vase, if a cat gets in and drinks that water, it could kill your cat. So we're talking major, major toxicity. And of course, with visitors coming over, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of people. Doors are being left open. Dogs can get nervous. Typically, a non-biting dog might bite. Use some common sense. Now, make sure your dogs have their ID. That means uh, ID tag, microchip, essential. Save this life. Microchips are great. But you want to make sure that all those uh, things are in order as you enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday. Because if you don't do these things and there's a problem, your holiday is not going to be so joyful. You'll be having that emergency run to the veterinarian while your guests are sitting at the table waiting for their turkey. Not a good way to spend the holiday. So just use common sense. So this week, I don't like to argue with clients about stuff like this, but you know they were telling me that it came up in conversation about, well, the problem can't be the food because it's not food because he eats clearly the best food. I'm thinking to myself, you know what? First of all, none of us can decide what the best food is. There is no such thing as the best. Think about it. If there was the best, why would the supermarket be, I think, except second to breakfast cereal is the pet food aisle as far as how many products out there. So why would there be so many if there's only, because the best implies the best, only one. So clearly that's not the case. Not only that, clearly one can understand that the best for this patient may not be the best for that one. Every animal is different. We have to individualize. And I, you know, I think about this. Go into a bookstore if you can find one nowadays, because pretty much all the bookstores are closing down. Everyone's getting it online. But if you look in the health and nutrition area, how many books are you going to find written by MDs, right, about diet and health? Again, why would there need to be so many different ones with different suggestions and recommendations if there was a best? because there is no best. So don't get fooled. Listen to your veterinarian. There are certain guidelines. There are certain levels of protein. There are certain upper limits of fat. Carbohydrates, what are the carbs? Cats don't need to have as many carbs. In fact, the reason why we probably see so much type 2 diabetes in cats is because the carbs. Cats are obligate carnivores. They need to eat meat. So what we're doing is by listening to a non-trained, untrained pet store employee, many of whom probably aren't even in college yet, maybe in college, maybe haven't gone at all, maybe won't. And they're telling you that this is the best. So we need to feed this food because it's the best and it's raw and it's non-GMO and gluten-free. And wait a second. First of all, there are some many, many, many great foods out there. And the criteria one needs to look at is, first of all, and most importantly, does my pet like it? Do they eat it? Because that's not so the best if it's no good, if they're not eating it. Secondly, has it met the AFCO standards? AFCO is the Association of American Feed Control Officials, and they set certain guidelines of the minimum amounts of nutrition that must be there. And most foods out there should have what we call AFCO certification. Next up is going to be, well, first of all, look at price, look at convenience. There are many choices. You don't necessarily have to run to a specialty pet store to find your food when there are some very, very good foods on the market. I remember I, w- I had an argument with somebody. I was in Canada and I was doing, I was working with one of the big food companies and we weren't even promoting food. What we were promoting is a concept of what we call mixed feeding. And that is that, especially you know during the summer, a lot of our pets do not get enough water. Cats we know are not big water drinkers and yet they need to have hydration. So the goal of my tour, my media tour, was really just to talk about the concept of mixed feeding. And I started doing it too. Really interesting. I was starting to read up about it. And there are a lot of benefits to have animals having a little bit more hydration. And so I started adding, like my cats, for example, and my dogs, I started putting some canned food in their regular dry food. And first of all, most of the time, 
I'm actually surprised when it's not the case, but most of the time, pets too like canned food. Dogs love canned food. So here I am, and I'm, and I'm mentioning, again, I have to be very fair to brands, especially a lot of market brands, which are really fine. They're very good. And I can't expect everybody to go to these super you know, expensive pet store only brands. And those are very good too. So I start mentioning certain brands and, um, oh, things like, you know, that you could find like an IAMS or Yukonuba or, or like a, a Calcan or, or for a cat of whiskey, things that you can find at the market. And I mentioned a number of different brands. I was not really in anybody's pocket at the time. And after I'm done, I get this very nasty email from a, a woman who is telling me that how dare I, I should go back to California. I should go back to Los Angeles and I should, this Hollywood vet and how dare I mention brands that you get these terrible foods that you can buy at a supermarket that are made with all these fillers and et cetera, et cetera. So she tells me what she feeds her dog and she fed her dog Royal Canaan. Royal Canaan, by the way, is a very, very good food as well. So I write her back, take the high road, and I tell her, you know, I, you know, I feel so sorry that you feel that way. And I agree with you, Royal Canaan, Royal Canaan, however you want to pronounce it, is a great food. But not everybody can make the separate trip. Not everybody can afford the higher quality foods. And if your pet is doing very well on the food that you're feeding, then that's great. Obviously, continue. Good stools, healthy, shiny coat, lots of energy, then that for your pet is a good food. I said, oh, by the way, the Royal Canaan that you're feeding is made by the same company of some of the other foods that I mentioned that are available at the market. And that shut her up. She wrote me back. And then going back and forth, she had some questions for me, answered her questions. After about three or four emails going back and forth, she goes, boy, I wish you practiced here in Vancouver, <laughs> which I thought was great because she started by telling me I should, I should basically go back to California, never come back to Canada. Anyway, it just goes to show you, don't be fooled. Talk to your veterinarian. Talk about your pet's condition. Think about your budget. Think about your convenience. And I can guarantee you're going to still have, even with all that, you're still going to have many choices. And then, of course, first and foremost, it's up to your pet. Because I don't care how great the food is. If they don't eat it, it's not so great. So anyway, thanks for joining me here today. Um, hope you all have a very, very happy, healthy, safe for your pet's Thanksgiving. And I want to thank our sponsors, Brevecto, More Than a Cone, Save This Life Microchip. And we will be here next week. If you have any questions, please Send me an email to drjeff.drjeff at petliferadio.com. And of course, next week when we're on, if you want to talk to us live, let us know how your, your, your little uh, Thanksgiving holiday was. You can uh, join us here in Google Hangouts or uh, toll-free 877-385-8882. And uh, we'll see you next week. Have a great week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.